In this hour, the um, latest federal annual immigration report comes out, and it reveals a lot of different things. And here to talk to us about it is Dave Ray, Communications Director for the Federation of American Immigration Reform. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Newell, how you doing, my friend, and Happy New Year. Same to you, Dave. Always good to hear from you. Uh, this report comes out annually and is a summation of immigration activity uh, throughout all of the uh, processing centers within this country. What does that right. report reveal? Well, I mean, the, the biggest newsmaker, which really isn't a newsmaker because it's pretty much on par with uh, what how many people we bring in every year, but there were 1.1 million legal immigrants who who uh, immigrated to the U.S. in 2018. Um, there are a few takeaways from this data, though, that, that are worth talking about. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, immigration is at, at an historic high uh, since the law changed in 1965, and we have been pretty much each and every year uh, been experiencing immigration on autopilot, uh, regardless of what the you know, economy is doing or if there's a 20% level of unemployment any given year, we would still be taking in 1.1 million legal immigrants. Another thing that's worth noting is that you know, for those who try to paint America as anti-immigrant because we want to control our borders, it's worth noting that we are, and you know, this proves by far, the most generous nation on earth when it comes to legal immigration. Now, in that 1.1 million number, the vast majority of those folks are coming here due to chain migration. And uh, that is a, a, a system for selecting immigrants whereby uh, people are selected because they have a family member here in the United States, not because they have a needed skill level of education, knowledge of English, or anything like that. And so uh, because that the vast majority, you know, with, with upwards to 80% or more of our immigrants coming here through family chain migration, it's resulted in uh, a real lack of skill levels amongst our legal immigrant population. I mean, 25% of these, of this 1.1 million uh, uh, immigrants have less than a high school education uh, or less and, and very little English. So it's it's little wonder why uh, legal immigrants who come here, 63% uh, of them, immigrant-headed households, end up on uh, some form of public assistance. So I think these numbers scream for, uh, for revision. Immigration law really hasn't been substantially changed since 1965. President Trump pledged to remake immigration to recast it into the nat and make sure that it's in the national interest uh, to pivot the country to a more merit-based immigration system as opposed to this system that selects people just basically because they have a, an aunt or, or an uncle or a you know a cousin or a brother or a sister here and actually put some common sense into our immigration policy the other thing that's worth noting is that you know the only presidential commission that has looked at legal immigration in the last several decades uh, was was headed by Texas Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, a civil rights icon uh, who traveled around the country and met. And one of their key recommendations was for a cap on legal immigration of about 500,000 a year, which is less than half of what we're taking right now. 
So there's real, some real room for improvement. It's, it's also important to note that nobody is really talking about zero immigration. We still at 500,000 a year would be incredibly generous in terms of the visas we hand out. But uh, immigration continues to be a huge so- social and economic factor in this country, and that's why it's a top-of-mind issue amongst voters, although you would have never known that last night during the Democratic debate. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a topic that was uh, talked about a lot. But when we talk about the 1.1 million, uh, I recall that that's a number uh, in the in the second term of the Obama administration when he started relaxing what was a very intrusive and, and relatively strict first term administration of Obama as it related to immigration, that this number is still larger than the numbers that were allowed in during his administration in the second term. Yeah, it, it's really gone between, you know, 900,000 a year and 1.1 million a year for year upon uh, year, year after year. And as I said, the vast majority of these folks are coming here without really the tools that they need uh, to make it in a modern America because of the way that we select them. We're actually setting these folks up to fail by having such a poor way of selecting people. I mean, just because somebody, you know, person A is would be a good candidate to be an immigrant, it doesn't mean everybody in their family who's related to them would also be an asset to the nation. And that's really the question that we need to be asking about our immigration policies, Newell, is, you know, how, how many can can we accommodate without – um, pushing down wages and working conditions for U.S. workers, and then how do we best select these folks so that they can come here and achieve their American dream? I mean, when you don't have skills, you don't have English language abilities, I mean, it just screams for a merit-based system that would allow us to screen folks basically for the skills that they'll need uh, to come here and to succeed, because that's really what we want of our legal immigrants, is for them to come and succeed, not for them to come and end up on public public services. And just for the benefit of the listening audience, Dave, because I think a lot of this gets, Dave, gets uh, lost in the conversation. Right. I read an article the other day that said at the immigration flow numbers today, if you applied to migrate to this country from the country of India... Mm-hmm. you would be in line for 151 years. And what that exhibits is that there's no shortage of those that want to come None. and that we're not in a position to allow everyone in. Right. And a lot of folks have been, uh, ob- you know, object to this conversation of the border control, people jumping out in front of the line. But when you put things in that context, right. Uh, it begs of you uh, to be just a tad bit picky about who comes into this country because the sphere of those that want to come is far greater than we could ever uh, accommodate. Well, I mean, we're, we're the grand prize, Newell. Everybody wants to come to America, so we can afford, we should be picky over who we take in. The reason, you know, there are backlogs because of a family chain migration. The reason why it's called chain migration is because you know you select an immigrant and everybody related to them genetically by through the chain uh, joins the queue. But some people have 10 to 15 years even in Central American countries. But the fact is is that there are far more people who want to come here than we can accommodate. So the the the, the 
the question for us as a nation is how do we best select, how do we get the best folks who can come here and achieve their American dream and by doing so help us to make the United States a better nation? We're not asking that question. I mean, the whole fact that our immigration policies have been on autopilot since 1965, and if the economy crashed yesterday and there was a mass recession and high unemployment, next year we would still take in 1.1 million legal immigrants. How could this possibly be in the national interest? It's like immigration policy is, is, is on autopilot kind of in its own sphere outside of anything else that's going on in the country, unlike education policy or national security policy or any other public policy that actually makes sense in the context of the nation. So, you know, putting some thought into, and the other thing about moving to a merit-based immigration system is that it's non-discriminatory. It would allow anyone from anywhere in the world uh, to apply. There wouldn't be per-country caps. There wouldn't be long waits. Uh, we would uh, do a point-based system like Canada and Australia have done, and you know you have points for education, points for certain achievements, technical skills, English language abilities. You know all of these are really good, uh, significant precursors as to uh, that foretells how well an immigrant's probably going to be able to do once they get here. I mean we are a very modern, high-tech economy. Can you imagine coming here, Newell, without so much as a high school diploma? and no English. I mean, you've almost been set up to fall on your face. And unfortunately, that's what's happening to a lot of these folks. And Congress is refusing to take any action, obviously, in this election year. You know, that, well, yeah, I mean, the that, border was likely, blowing. That's not likely at all. No, did, you know, the border, the border was blowing up last year, and Congress uh, was, was so uh, tunnel-visioned on the idea of impeachment that they basically threw it to the Trump administration to handle on their own, which thankfully they did. But, uh, you know, when is Congress going to get around to addressing our immigration system? That's a great question. Uh, recent Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal case allowing the Trump administration to transfer from funds from DOD uh, to continue construction of the southern border wall. Where do we go from here? Well, I mean, this is a big boost for the Trump administration. They've been trying to uh, you know, grab monies wherever they could uh, for the construction of the border wall. There's been about 100 miles of new wall constructed thus far. This is a big court win coming out of New Orleans. It releases $3.6 billion from the Department of Defense. If you recall last year when the president declared, uh, you know, a border emergency, that freed up funds at the Department of Defense that could be reprogrammed for the border wall. The administration is now hoping to have 450 uh, miles of border wall finished by the end of 2020. This is huge. You know, no, we were just down at the border um, about a month ago, and I can tell you that uh, the Border Patrol uh, are and uh, Customs Enforcement are amongst the biggest supporters of the border wall. It helps funnel uh, illegal aliens into areas that they're easier to apprehend. It actually is, uh, you know, helps save lives of Border Patrol agents because it makes it more difficult for people, you know, throwing rocks through a, a short wall or something like that. Or, and it, it, it certainly uh, 
serves as a huge barrier to those who are uh, coming in for other reasons, whether it's uh, you know drug traffickers or uh, human smugglers smuggling in children or, or adults for exploitation or even uh, you know terror cells that may be related to Iran that are, have been found throughout Latin America. So it's critical that the country gets this wall built. It's effective where it has been built, and it uh, is supported very strongly by those who know the best, and that's the Border Patrol. The enforcement experts I've talked to, without exception, I have not had someone tell me yet that the walls are not effective and are not an important tool in their fight in securing our borders. Sim- Absolutely. Simple. I mean, yep. it's yeah. pretty straightforward yeah, it- on that one. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. You Always appreciate the update. Have a great week. Uh, we'll you be back with you shortly, week. I'm sure. Dave Ray, yeah. Communications Director, Federation for the American Immigration Reform.